0: Have accessed entry 1396.ps10105, certificate number 36155. Vinegar Valentine's. This is for you, Lucy. Happy Valentine's Day. No, that doesn't sound right. Here, Lucy, this is for you. Happy Valentine's Day. You can do it if you just don't get nervous. This is for you, Lucy. Happy Valentine's Day. Okay, take it easy. You can do it. This is for you, Lucy. Merry Christmas. Oh. What
1: was your, what is your Valentine's Day life? <laughs> is this a show about my ex-girlfriends?
0: Yes. <laughs> my we've got, vinegar Valentine's. We've got them all here. All right, come in. <laughs> this is your life. This what? is your dating life. What, 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 what are my Valentines?
1: Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, Valentine's Day could not really be lower stakes for a married man of my age. Because you have to the, get the expe- some candy, right? Yeah, the expectations are very realistic. There should be flowers and and dinner. And all the fraught kind of Valentine's culture of the past, you know, will I have a Valentine? Will I have a date? Will I get any... Am I Charlie Brown or will I get any cards in my mailbox? You know, th- those have all
0: vanished away. But does it still loom large in your in your calendar? My problem is that um, as someone who was a member of alternative culture, alter, you know, Generation I've, X alternative culture. I've heard of such a thing. Hanky uh, Codes and whatnot. That's right. Um, throughout most of my dating life, uh, the, the the women that I would date would be, on the surface, very contemptuous of Valentine's of Day. Of a normie greeting card holiday-like right. Valentine's Just like, Day. I'm not into Valentine's Day. But. But. There's also um, a lot you, – you can commit a lot of infractions around Valentine's Day, and I have done – I've committed all of those infractions. All of them? Pretty much. You, I mean, I don't know. You, how, you've done a double murder on can, Valentine's Day. How can you know infractions that you haven't <laughs> transgressed, right? I'll, I'll name some awful things you get on <laughs> Valentine's
1: Day, and you tell me. Did you ever bring two girls to the dance at once?
0: <laughs> no, that, but, but, you know, versions of that. Like, you know, it's very hard if it's very hard to celebrate – Uh, No Valentine's Day if someone imposes a Valentine's Day celebration upon you. Sure. You know, it's hard to navigate a world where you – I mean, there there are a lot of people who don't want to celebrate Valentine's Day unless they see someone else celebrating Valentine's Day. And then they wonder, why no Valentine's Day? So, yeah, there have been – I've had to tiptoe around it quite a bit. I've never – because I'm alternative, Ken (laughs) – uh, I've never I didn't know alternative was just to get out of jail <laughs> free card for forgetting no, holidays, but, I've but never, I never love it. I've never leaned into it either. Um because I there's a feeling that there are a lot of holidays that are kind of amateur nights. You know, New Year's Eve, St. Patrick's Day, and Cinco de Mayo are all And you yearn to be in Times Square on New Year's Eve. I uh, so do not. But and, and as a as a musician, playing a show on New Year's Eve right. is great. Uh particularly if you're the headliner and you're on stage at midnight because you can, you know, rally the room, and it's so fun to be up there. And then after everybody pops their corks, you launch into your hit, and the room goes crazy. You know,
1: you and didn't it, you didn't need to bring any calendar
0: energy. The Gregorian calendar did it for you. That's right. One one year, uh, the Decembrists were opening for us, and we played Death Cab's "This Is the New Year." At New Year, I was just thinking of that song, and I was
1: wondering if that's an attempt to harness that energy. Like yeah,
0: to get, I think to, so to, to get the cheap thrills of the New Year's, and to cover sp- it because we, you know, we rocked it out. We made it really big and heavy. It was so, it was just so invigorating. Whereas, even though I've, the song is about the opposite of invigoration, it New is Year's. as all Death Capsules. <laughs> but um, and being on stage on Valentine's Day is great. Because you can be the ringleader and ringmaster of everybody else's Valentine's experience. You're you're wearing a Cupid diaper and carrying a bow and arrow, probably. But you're absolved. Actually, there's a a music video uh, by the band Stag where I play a Valentine heart. (laughs) I wear a Valentine heart costume, and I'm... I'm depicted. Um, Is it like
1: a cheap Minions dollar store?
0: Uh, no, it was a. It's a beautiful Valentine's costume. You should see it. And I'm, you know, I'm depicted as being in a tavern with Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny, and we all getting loaded. And then I go out. I'm a sad Valentine because it's an alternative. Is this generation, generation that the X. Easter
1: Bunny that the, the there's a
0: personified Valentine card that hangs out with Santa and the Easter
1: Bunny and it may and have,
0: Jack Skellington. It may, it may just be. Uh, the band Stag <laughs> that came up with this—they've got but. their own detailed mythology, like yeah. Devo. But yeah, a, a, a future link should go check out the video because it's a wonderful. But, I, but I, no, I don't. Valentine's—I've
1: run afoul of working on Valentine. I was thinking about this. Like the only Valentine's Day story I could really remember was that the uh, the Jeopardy shows where I got beaten by the supercomputer yeah. aired the week of Valentine's Day, and uh, and so
0: Sony wanted me to do a full. Do you, do you Dave, not name the supercomputer? Is that a thing where you you refuse to let its name cross your lips? Why should it, why should it get a name? It doesn't have a name.
1: Thank you. Its name is a marketing gimmick, <laughs> right? Just to give it a name, or to say he. Oh, I love this. Is to is to give it a legitimacy that it it, it
0: does not deserve. How did I not know this? That that you refuse to name the, the the computer. I love this. I actually have never thought of that before. But, no, but I. it. Like but from it. now on, I will. Should want. be a thing.
1: Oh, I said computer and the dumb
0: of computer.
1: they're everywhere. (laughs) But so I was supposed to do a full day of promotion for the W word match. And I said, well, you know, that's February 14th. And they were like, okay, yeah, the games are on the 14th and the 15th. And we were going to be in New York. And I was like, well, I just need to be done by 7 so I can take my wife to dinner. If we're going to be in New York on Valentine's Day and I don't take my wife to dinner, how do you think that's going to go over? And they were just like, yeah, see... I don't know. I mean, we want to do this four-hour satellite media tour, and then we might have some evening hits. And I was like, no, here's what I'm saying. The evening hits stop at 7 o'clock so I can take my wife out for Valentine's Day and save my marriage. Yeah, but... So that was the diciest Valentine's
0: Day for me. These people.
1: These publicists. So listeners of a future era presumably have their own festival celebrating love or fertility. Possibly even in the spring. I think I just said fertility, which yeah, is not fertility. a word.
0: Is that true? Do you think that, that fertility celebrations will are a thing that's immutable, that every culture will well, have we'll you, still have that? Have
1: you heard the story that links um, Valentine's Day to the Roman mid-February Ides of, of Lupercalia?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a story we tell every, every Valentine's Day. We sit around the Valentine tree and talk about Lupercalia. Talk about,
1: <laughs> tell your kids about the true meaning of Lupercalia. <laughs> That is not true. In fact, oh, there is no evidence, historical evidence, linking our modern celebration of Valentine's or the the early Christian martyr of Saint Valentine to Lupercalia. It seems, in any way. It,
0: it seems like a very Roman holiday, doesn't it? Not not the movie, but the but the actual thing.
1: What about it seems Roman to you? Oh, I don't know. It just seems
0: it, pagan. It can turn more into an or, or into an orgy faster yeah, it, than it just, Halloween or Thanksgiving. It just feels like the heart. First of all, like where. I was wondering this the other day, this two-lobed, pointy-bottomed depiction of the heart, like how far back does that go? It's not that different. I mean, it it has the—the heart does have lobes. Yeah. Um, It's not
1: pointy on the—
0: But is it a a thing like the the Star of David or the swastika that's like an ancient symbol that kind of was— happened upon did, did people draw hearts before they connected it to the human heart i believe that there
1: is some modern scholarship suggesting that it uh may be anatomical that it may represent the erogenous zones of the human body oh, yeah. which often have those kind of two bulges and then a pointy below
0: whether yes. whether upstairs or, or, or downstairs or, or, or above yeah
1: yeah the um
0: because are... we were watching the, the Mandalorian and we realized that the Mandalorian spaceship just looks like Fallopian tubes. <laughs> <laughs> the Slave One? You yeah, mean? the Slave No, no, no. The Slave One is Boba Fett's. Oh, you're right. The, whereas, the other one that he drives yeah, around. Yeah, Mando's with the... little, uh, little craft. Right.
1: There is a, uh, you know, a lot of aphrodisiacs of the past have heart shaped leaves and fruit. Mm-hmm. So it may also be you know an attempt to represent a specific kind of of love plant love plant baby love plant <laughs> from the movie the love guru um but yeah all these stories later that um you know saint valentine somehow drew lots or or got a couple together or that you know the roman festival of lupercalia was related to fertility anyway it really wasn't well cu- there's, there's no romantic overlay to any of this what are what are, what are the cupid that's a
0: that's a Roman.
1: That's revisionism, go- man. Oh. Cupid, Cupid was never Cupid was Cupid was like a, a sexy guy.
0: Yeah, a sexy guy
1: s- sneaking into um, blindfold Psyche.
0: Not and, a not a baby,
1: uh, with wings. Not a cute little Jeremy Piven shooting arrows at people. Um, the idea of you know all the, kind of these modern trappings of a, of a springtime connection between. St. Valentine and Getting It On Mm -hmm. um, appear appear to relate, go back no further than Chaucer and some of his poetic contemporaries, who observed that spring was the season when birds begin to pair up and nest. Even birds do it. Birds do it, bees do it. And you might point out, Ken, February
0: 14th is way too early for birds to be nesting. Well, not necessarily. Some birds are already having babies and... February and you know with climate
1: change, I'm sure uh-huh. we're speaking to an audience for whom the cherry blossoms bloom in uh, November. But uh, that's often the the objection. There is usually met with the argument that due to the precession of the equinoxes and specifically the nine day difference between the Julian and Gregorian calendars. Um, is,
0: they, is is this
1: the argument that comes up uh,
0: often over coffee? Uh-huh. You, you've heard this before, sure. At cars and coffee.
1: February fourteenth would have been much closer to like you know the, an early March setting, which which is within the realm of possibility for birds to start shacking up, right, and uh, and roam more s- than sexually molting than Stockholm. But again, yeah, exactly. But again, this uh, you know this seems to come to us from medieval times, from specifically notions of courtly love that would have caught on in the fifteenth century, not when she was married to Kurt Cobain. Right. But, um, medieval times was one of my favorite restaurants. You know, the idea that, um, you know, that women are to be wooed and, uh, there's a specific set of, uh, of, uh, you know, romantic gestures. Wait, is that not true that, now? That we'll put some, it's definitely uh, true now. My but a
0: handbook it, right here. But it has
1: not been true throughout history. Oh, I see. You know, the idea that people court and then marry for love is a modern invention. Yeah. Love, love was a very small part of, uh, of human relationships, including courtship and marriage, until fairly the 1980s, recent centuries. Yeah, yeah, we invented it in, in the 1980s. The show Moonlighting, I believe, invented it <laughs> when uh, David Blaine and David Blaine, whatever, Sybil Shepherd's characters? was his name was really got David Blaine. There's no way it was David Blaine. No, it was
0: David. David. Afflehoff. I was about to say
1: David. Becker, but that's not right either. I should just stick to Sam Malone and Diane Chambers. Yeah, let's do that because those are names I know for sure, and then I won't have. Pe- I mean, people are already emailing me right now to tell me the name of
0: <laughs> the guy from of the Blue
1: Moon Detective Agency characters' <laughs> names. Uh, it is in fact Maddie Hayes and David Addison. David Addison. How could we forget? I guess was I saying, was I thinking of John McClain?
0: It was super easy for me to forget.
1: <laughs> <laughs> really, what about those classic episodes, like? The musical one, the dream yeah.
0: sequence one. Yeah. We yeah. loved them all. No, we did.
1: So anyway, like, there's no ancient backing for Valentine's
0: Day right. at all. No, that figures, right? It's. I mean, that's part of our alternative culture denunciation of it, that it's just a commercial holiday produced by Big Chocolate. Cards. And in fact, that is 100% true.
1: Oh. Valentine's Day is a creation of a greeting card industry. Generation X was right for a change.
0: Uh, and that's why you don't have to do anything nice for your mom in May. Uh, that's the, another one. My mom doesn't care about it. She's against it. Because my mom was proto-alternative. The greeting card industry, you know, it dates back to the turn of the
1: 19th century. There's an, a 1797 collection called The Young Man's Valentine Writer, which drew oh. upon some of these traditions of romantic love to include some some snatches of verse that would be sure to... Are you sure they use the word snatches? Probably for something else. Um, excerpts of verse, if that um, kind of helps dehornify the show for you. Thank you. Um, that would help turn your your young maidens, uh, bat her eyelashes or uh, uh, turn her to thoughts of love.
0: Back when verse really played a different role. Yeah. Poetry is very, very unimportant in getting laid today right these days i don't know though you could still lay out some killer poem and i bet
1: as an indie singer songwriter you're probably the
0: last person for whom there was
1: actually some link between poetry and sex
0: yeah i there are people that have my lyrics tattooed upon their bodies really yeah and that's pretty sexy. that's
1: a heavy responsibility
0: They, they but they're using that sexiness on other people they're not using that sexiness on me i just get to like it's one of the things that when I stand on stage on Valentine's Day, I'm like, I've done my work.
1: When you mentioned your, your kind of your string of alternative girlfriends, there is something that's still very gendered about the greeting card industry, even in a time of greater equality and a whole spectrum of straight, gay, and bi relationships. To this day, I think 80% of greeting cards are bought by women.
0: Oh, bought by women? yes. To give to their... To
1: both men and women. I, I I think the recipients would be a little more equal opportunity.
0: you buy a greeting card every year? I do not. I do not. I bought a
1: thank you card recently, and I actually had to figure out how one does it. I remember walking into the Target or the drugstore, whatever it was, and thinking, so there's these $3 thank you cards, or there's this box of thank you cards that also cost $3, I don't understand then you have all
0: these other ones. I
1: don't understand anything about this industry. Um, I bought the nicer one because yeah. I'm a I, you know I'm I'm just that good a person. Yeah. But I did think maybe I was doing it wrong because how can
0: the box of 12 be the same price as the as the one? I have a lot of greeting cards I've received over the years all from women and I keep them but when I find them in a box you know that's usually just like a, do they bring any kind of emotion? Well, or that's happiness? the thing. It's just a platitude, and then at the bottom, it's like, "Love," and signed by someone that I loved. But the greeting card itself, right. like, you'd rather have a handwritten note, even if it didn't have a lace border or a picture of a puppy. So when I do, when I do give someone a Valentine's note, I usually take a piece of paper out of the hopper of the copy machine in the office. Often. I take a page out of the hopper of the copy machine of the person I'm about to write a valentine to. After Xeroxing your butt. And No, I don't Xerox my butt, never. Uh, And then I draw a big heart on it, and I write some valentine inside, and that usually works. I mean, it's maybe not the—I didn't go to a drugstore, but, you know, it performs the role. Yeah, poetry—I mean, the rhyming seems
1: to be very— Powerful. I mean, that roses are red, violets are blue. Snatch of doggerel. Sorry to say snatch again. That also goes back to the turn of the 19th century. Um, this was a time when I think there were rooms full of uh, women attaching lace and ribbons and shiny bits of paper to what? make... Like crows. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're being paid for it, and they're probably oh, oh, getting some kind of radium poisoning. I don't know at what part of the process
0: they get radium poisoning. You're, you're just assuming that crows aren't being paid.
1: <laughs> Crows are getting paid in the birdseed and dog food chunks that my, <laughs> that my kid leaves out for them on our balcony. We are the crow gathering place for the neighborhood. Um, but this was a, this became a well-known industry in early 19th century England. Dickens referred to it as Cupid's Manufactory. Huh. Because um, emotion and sentiment were being industrialized through lace ribbon and, and sh- shiny bits of string and paper. That early? It's surprising, and it's but it was you know it was still kind of a you know fifty thousand cards a year industry because um, you know they all had to be made and mailed individually, and then the industrial revolution finally catches up with doggerel and sentiment in eighteen forty. A social reformer named Roland Hill um, is successful in reforming the British Post. He thinks it should be for everyone. It wasn't prior. No, it was expensive. The po- he, oh. uh, Roland Hill, uh, his invention is that what if there were little gummed, cheap squares that you could stick to an envelope that would make it affordable and, and convenient for anyone to send a note? Um, now, we now have a newly literate working class for right. the first time. So now it's not just a small group of aristocratic or educated people sending handwritten notes. You know, now there's a exponentially bigger market for this see this is a reform i can get behind well he sells it he pitches it as uh something that's going to be revenue neutral like sure um we're going to slash postage rates but what that means is there's a vast audience uh, you know a vast uh, customer base that will send 100 times as much mail and you'll make it up on volume yeah right it's the same thing that happens today with progressives trying to push a You know, the Green New Deal will create jobs in alternative energies, and, you know, we can't afford not to do this. And Roland Hill is successful by appealing to capitalism. Um, He invents the postage stamp. This is the penny black. That's cool. And the following year, the number of greeting cards sent increases tenfold. 400,000 Valentine cards are sent in 1840.
0: Um, and wh- when was this? When was the the postage stamp ado- adopted in the Americas? Right away,
1: Congress authorized them in the same decade, in eighteen forty-seven.
0: That's how we got all those uh, those romantic Civil War letters that that we all think of. They would not have been sent otherwise. Uh, the early stamps were a
1: five cent a five cent Franklin stamp, a ten cent George Washington stamp. So not that different than. But expensive in their time. Uh, yeah, cents. exactly. When you think about what that is with inflation, that's that's multiple dollars yeah, today.
0: Right. Um, but that's what long-distance phone calls used to represent to us, right? You'd get on the phone with mom back home and it was $15 at the end.
1: Sure, but it was something that would be – it was now something that was practical for families to occasionally do. You would budget for a – Right. For mailing to keep in touch with faraway yeah, – Yeah, how cool. Friends and relations. Um, you know, in the U.S., uh, Valentine's Day cards begin did begin to take off as well. I found a editorial from mid-century Cincinnati just before the Civil War saying that um, it was more civilized actually not to direct Valentine cards at a particular sweetheart. I guess a popular kind of party would be for everyone to write a love note, roll it up, and put it in a punch bowl. And then random love notes would be drawn so you would receive a bit of sentimental poetry from a rando valentine. And that was just as good, I guess, because what you want is the the heart palpitations of getting the pretty words um, more than you want. You know, the actual relation behind it might actually be threatening or at some point sexual,
0: are you old enough to remember a time when uh, in school you were not forced to give a valentine to everyone? I was trying to remember this the other day because, of course, for my kids, you had to give a
1: valentine for everyone or no one. And it was true for birthday party invitations, everyone or no one, or you, or you had to do it outside of class. I think we we definitely did the little box on our desks with the slot, but I think you had to give a valentine to everyone. Is, did you not have to do that in elementary
0: school? I feel like I was pretty young when the, you have to give a Valentine to everyone was first instituted because I remember. You were the
1: guinea pig for this? Yeah. Maybe I, you were the one that was, uh, didn't give enough of the girls Valentine's and you, you forced the change.
0: Maybe. I feel like by 1975, you know, so many of the, the social experiments that we've, that we've uh, sort of uh, forced on our children Begin in the 1970s, right? All the theories of the 1960s, it was like, let's, you know what we should do? We should start with five-year-olds. And I, I remember the first Valentine's Day that I got 30 valentines and feeling Did it feel uh, ambivalent val- about it.
1: Well, does it feel, I remember just kind of thinking like it was a valueless exercise yeah. because everybody was going to get the exact same mass-produced valentines and really the only thing exciting was if somebody had the wherewithal to uh, tape a little lollipop or hershey's kiss to their card
0: well for me by sixth grade fifth grade i guess i actually had a girl i liked and i really searched through my 30 valentines for the one from her hoping that she'd put an exclamation point on it or something and you know and had that still managed to have the the deflating dismay of discovering that the valentine from the girl i liked was just a mass signed it's just exactly the same as she gave everyone else it was the
1: same dukes of hazard postcard that everybody got
0: yeah i really really wanted uh i really wanted it to be special from her and um and so yes yeah, so, although they tried to democratize valentine's day i still found a way to be sad Ken, have you started preparing for your retirement? Yeah, I think the mistake people make is not starting early enough. Yeah, that was me. I didn't start early enough.
1: You were too rock and roll.
0: I was too rock and roll. In fact, even 10 minutes ago, I hadn't started. (laughs) But what changed your mind? Was it the new year? Yeah, the beginning of the new year. I said, this is a great time to finally start uh, thinking about my financial future.
1: Look, all the good intentions you have are things you have been putting off during the year. You're know, you going to eat healthier. You're going to hit the gym. I'm finally going to take my financial future seriously. Uh, It's the easiest one of those three things to do. You can just sit on your butt and check out Wealthfront.com. Tell me more about Wealthfront.com. It's a way to start investing easily. In no time, you use Wealthfront's classic portfolio, or you can adapt it on your own with the things you care about, whether that's socially responsible funds or if you want an emphasis in technology or crypto or whatever it is this is products designed by financial experts that help you turn your good ideas into great investments without having to obsess about doing everything yourself
0: but when I go online and use stock trading uh, apps like I don't know anything about trading stocks how does this how is Wealthfront going to keep me from from making errors it's complementary
1: to stock trading You know, there's so many investment apps that make it easy to start trading, but that doesn't mean you're going to immediately know how to do it right. Uh, Wealthfronts, as a platform, is designed to make it easy to invest and grow your savings with a diversified portfolio. Well, what about my taxes?
0: I mean, that's one of the big things that confuses the, the heck out of me.
1: They can help you lower your tax bill, John. They'll help you rebalance your portfolio, even if you don't know what it means. Their product is so simple, so powerful. It's got a 4.9 out of 5 rating in the Apple App Store. Wow. Here's what I want you to do. Yeah. If you're serious about investment planning. Yeah. to Start building your wealth and get your first $5,000 managed for free. Go on. For life. What? Go to wealthfront.com slash omnibus.
0: You're saying if I go to W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash omnibus, I can start building my wealth today? That is correct, John,
1: and very well spelled. Go to wealthfront.com slash omnibus and get started today. So this 1970s Valentine's Day is exactly like an 1870s Valentine's Day with people sending mass-produced cards with cute little poems. Maybe they they have a dash of perfume. um, You know, anything to give a little thrill to a sweetheart. But there's a parallel tradition that's been almost entirely forgotten. Which is to murder your rival on Valentine's <laughs> well, Day. Well, that hasn't been for, that, that never goes out of style. Um, there was a trend of co- what were called comic Valentines to the degree that, you know, during the Civil War, you would go to a stationer's and you would buy a set of Valentines and it would have here's three friendly ones, two sentimental ones, one kind of hot one, and here are the five comic ones. That are ironic, that are meant to tease? They are the opposite. Of a regular Valentine, which offers a message of uh, romance, or if not romance, at least affection. These kind of Valentines were jokes, and not even affectionate jokes, but for the most part, insult comedy. (laughs) They're called Vinegar Valentines because they are so sour. They are mean-spirited And insulting. Now we're back to talking about my ex-girlfriends. They were largely forgotten because when people received these, (laughs) they threw them away. away. (laughs) So it took some 20th, 21st century archaeology. There's a Brighton uh, academic named Annabella Pollan who came across a stash of one and then has, you know, spent a few decades kind of categorizing them and amassing them and writing scholarly treatises on what she calls Vinegar Valentines. See,
0: being a, being a scholar isn't all a drag.
1: No, the idea that they all act, you know, operate in this rarefied world of meaningless distinctions only for insiders is not true at all. No,
0: you can go back and find old Skanky Valentine. She
1: spent 20 years taxonomizing uh, like really just awful insult poetry from the Victorian era. And what could be better than that? You can still see these for sale on eBay where they're generally called penny dreadfuls. Oh yeah. But in real life, that's a that's a more general term for any kind of kind of sensationalist and cheaply printed material for the newly literate
0: working class. A you penny know? dreadful.
1: Penny dreadfuls, I think more typically would have some kind of maybe lurid crime story. It would have a folk song to learn and play, you know, a popular ballad or something. Apparently you know, it's also a TV show. Any cheaply printed thing could be called a, a Penny Dreadful. I see. Um, but uh, this was a very specific kind of Penny Dreadful publishing. These were, they looked like Valentine cards. They were cheap. They Like Valentine cards, they would often be signed Your, signed your Secret Admirer. They would be <laughs> anonymous in some way. Like Valentine cards, they would often have a four to six line poem and then some kind of illustration, which would often mimic um, the tropes of Valentine's Day, a lacy border, the red traditional hearts and so forth Um, some kind of illustration which would vary from just a very crude cheap woodcut to a more elaborate colorful illustration but they were super goth Uh, they were worse than goth they were just mean (laughs) (laughs) sometimes they were anti-Valentine's. Like they would be an an announcement that you did not like someone who maybe thought you did or had been pursuing you. Roses
0: are red, violets are blue. I hope you die.
1: Here's an example. To my Valentine, it's a woman holding a lime or a lemon, I guess, which would be the, you know, the sourest or bitterest fruit. Tis a lemon that I hand you and bid you now skidoo which really then is now is one of the worst things you can bid anyone Uh, Mm. because I love another. There is no chance for you. Ouch. So you would just put that in the mail to some, you know, to the woman at the store who you thought had been giving you long looks or, or to the gentleman on the trolley. Who's, who's always a little too attentive or something. Um, so often they are to reject romantic advances. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they'd just be to zing people, you know, like, uh, like, I'm, this is my... It's like April Fool's Day. This is... I'm a joker, and this is my time of year to uh, to send my friend this postcard that says, Boozer, you drink all day and most the night, and then you wonder why you climb up posts and always see pink elephants in the sky. Lol, you're a drunk. This is from when? <laughs> uh, this one is as late as the 1940s, which would be the very end of the Vinegar Valentine era. It's
0: lost at about a century. Um... Yeah cuz I was wondering like the word skidoo I think of as a 2020s and then pink elephants I don't I uh,
1: pink elephants is definitely a post dumbo innovation I think
0: There are plenty of people I would like to send a greeting card to to say you're a drunk <laughs> And but I would never send a Valentine card to somebody that said no chance for you. Well, they get worse. I mean, at least being drunk is a moral failing, and and some of them were sent for things like oh, that. That's arguable, Ken. But yes, go on.
1: Addiction is a disease, <laughs> Ken. But here's but you know here's something that's not a moral failing. The, the headline just says bald head. Your bright shining pate is seen at all shows and invariably down in the bald headed rows.
0: Whoa, they're bald headed rows. Was
1: segregated seating at the time where you make conspicuous by your tender care, your true ardent love for that one lonesome hair. And then it's a picture of a guy whose head is so gleaming that um, bees or flies are, are circling it in, in in dazzlement. This is a card for 1907. So you would just have a random bald friend or acquaintance whose address you knew, and you would just send them an anonymous card that mimics a, a, a love message, but actually says, lol, you're bald. And this was acceptable
0: boy well you know we we live in a time when um when we are very attentive to other people's feelings even more so than we were even 10 years ago but sure plenty of stuff that would have you know been
1: day-to-day school behavior for us is now like super off limits
0: call a call a district-wide assembly robocall <laughs> bullying <laughs> right but uh but yeah this is this uh, puts a whole other spin on it Super mean. If you disapprove of some kind of behavior in a near stranger, there were
1: cards tailored to that. You know, this one um, just says, "Sales lady, as you wait upon the women with disgust upon your face, the way you snap and bark at them, one would think you owned the place."
0: Ooh, double diss.
1: So it's your yearly chance to get revenge on someone you don't even know, but who who has some moral failing you
0: disapprove of. Right, who was mean when she was selling you some gloves? Yes. And
1: often they reinforce social norms. A lot of them are for henpecked husbands. Like um, uh-huh. they show a husband showing a baby or holding a baby as if that would be a huge, well, uh, you know, feminizing yeah. disgrace. Um, you baby holder. Let's see if I can find an example of one of those. They're just really awful. The, the visiting pest. Oh, pest, get out and please keep out. Oh, stay away forever. I'll call you when I want you here. I'm certain twill be never.
0: You know, when you think about how Twitter is misused now, there's right. an awful lot of anonymous or pseudo-anonymous, because who can tell who you are behind your avatar, you know, insults, character assassination. That's
1: the thing we say about the internet, is that, is yeah. that uh, the discourse immediately goes wrong because there's no face-to-face accountability.
0: But, but, um, but these are presumably mostly anonymous. If you take them at... Face value. I mean, I, I, I suppose if I sent you one of these, you know, the balding one, for example, <laughs> you know, you would take it as uh, as as a lighthearted jest. You would say, no, 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 I've been I've been subscribing to this. Uh, I've been subscribing to Keeps, and I don't I don't have this issue anymore. But you know, you could send these as humorous friend things. But but you could also, I mean, the the anonymity. Like the woman that's a saleswoman at the at the department store. How would you get her you I guess you send it to the shop? Right, or you like slip it into her.
1: So all year you've been building up these grievances against the the, the tradesman who's snippy with you, or the person on the bus who stood stood on your feet, or right, your bald your bald wife's <laughs> other friend. Here's one that seems like more like something you would send a friend just to to kind of roast them a bit. Held in bondage, your wifey holds you in her hands, you dare not disobey commands, and every single cent you earn she takes and so has money to burn. Mm. They're not, none of them actually have any kind of punchline, really. I mean, some of the later ones do kind of have a twist in the final line. Hey, lover boy, the place for you is home upon the shelf, because the only one who'd kiss you is a jackass like yourself. Wow. This is actually, uh, a lot of these seem to be a little misogynistic aimed at some kind of no chance old maid, but this is actually a, a a man with a mustache, maybe a Lothario, who is made to kiss a donkey. Um, I like the ones that are kind of anti-Don
0: Juan. I mean, roasting people is one of life's great pleasures, but you have to, there has to be affection for the roast to be really... Uh, yeah, when it's a drive-by like to, to a really stranger. Kill. Yeah, right. I mean, you just feel like all it does is make you look at everybody that comes into the store and go, is it you? It's are just like getting a- some comment on social media that says, you suck, yeah. or you're wrong. Yeah, you were stupid on that thing, or you are a bad father.
1: And the, the most mean-spirited ones are, um, you know, here's one you would send to a show-off. And I think sometimes you'd buy them in a pack of car- a pack where each one is for a different moral failing, and you'd be like, ooh, which of my friends is the boozer, right. and which one is the pest, Right. And which one is so? This is for the show off, and it's got a guy um, balancing a chair on his nose—that famous thing that we hate when people do. <laughs> you claim you're good at anything, so come on, show some proof, and let me see how good you are at jumping off the roof. Just, just an anonymous note to encourage suicide. suicide. Here's, here's this one's a little more of a pretty good burn—the misogynistic one I was looking for. You've got more curves than a roller coaster. Your clothes fit like a glove. There's one thing wrong, Glamorpus. You've a face only a mother could love. And the the twist has kind of been tipped by the fact that the woman looking at herself in the mirror, you know, has an obvious kind of big nose. Basil Wolverton hideous face. Um But yeah, so this was a this was a Valentine's Day tradition for a century that you would be sending something nice to your sweetheart and um, just something mean to the lady downstairs in your boarding house that always plays the piano too loudly or something.
0: Are there analogs to this? Uh, of other places in the culture where like insult comedy was, um, was a 19th century thing. You know one This is not quite
1: what you're talking about, but I, I did find out just over Christmas that, um, that a lot of our American Christmas traditions of Santa Claus and Twas the Night Before Christmas and so on were a specific attempt to mine some old world and Dutch traditions in order to keep Christmas from being a holiday for rowdy young men. Oh. I guess it was turning into a thing where groups of young college guys would get together and get loaded and do pranks and vandalism. And, you know, the town fathers got together and thought... uh, how do we make Christmas not be Cinco de Mayo? Um, So today what we think of is just kind of a sentimental holiday that's always been like that, had to be— And very family. Right, it had to be turned into a family holiday by um, a public branding campaign to keep it from descending into St. Patrick's
0: Day. Yeah, how would we do that to St. Patrick's Day? What can we do to convert St. Patrick's Day and Cinco de Mayo into family-friendly holidays? So
1: what you're saying is you want to keep Irish people out of— Bars and
0: fist fights? I'm sure that's easy to do. That you know, would be a problem. Anti-Irish racism is... It's the worst kind. It's really the worst. And we, we don't condone it here at Omnibus. Uh, we are against Nazi, Nazism and we're against Irish bigotry.
1: So uh, there was a whole industry of... Green, now the Welsh, on the other hand. That, that anything goes. So there's a whole industry publishing a spectrum of these little poems from kind of fond um, poking at somebody's foibles to just really kind of bitter. um, I hate you stranger. Uh, You are a nerve destroyer. When a pig is getting slaughtered, the noise that it makes is sweeter by far than your trills and your shakes. And it shows a a lady singing badly and the howling of cats in the backyard at night compared with your singings, a dream of delight,
0: man, but this presumes that the reader knows what a pig being slaughtered sounds like, so it, it definitely dates to an earlier time.
1: Yes, this one is late nineteenth century, and you can tell by the illustration styles,
0: which change over time. And, and this th- also would have been a time when people sang more around the piano. Sure, that was a really good. I mean, this would really
1: wound somebody because yeah. somebody would have been somebody who does performs like this would have been very proud of
0: their oh yeah of their voice and their. Uh, musical abilities there's nothing more personal than saying someone is a bad singer to their face when they think they're a good singer ouch um and so as you can you know we think of this time as a a time when
1: you know these kind of bad feelings this kind of modern what petty sniping just didn't exist or would be repressed and the answer is it was repressed and the outlet was this one time a year when you could get it all off your chest. Right. And of course, there was moralizing against it. You know, the uh, Atlantic—newspapers on both sides of the Atlantic called it a filthy, nauseating practice. In 1866, the New York Times condemned Vinegar Valentines because of a fearful tendency to the development of swearing in males of all ages. It's not clear why sending a rude card also encourages somebody to swear, but that's what the papers were saying. Mm -hmm. Um, The— I think one of the things that led to the nail in the coffin is stories circulating, and the earliest one appears to be a real case that happened in 1847, of these anonymous cards leading to suicides. Um, what? No. Well, you you heard the one about you might as well jump on the roof because you're a goof who's always balancing a chair on your nose or it's, whatever. It's
0: funny because I've still I'm still thinking that these are mostly in good humor, but you're saying that they really, really are well,
1: imagine the first kind, which is the the anti-Valentine you send to somebody who you want you want to announce that uh, I, I'm tired of your advances. Yeah, right. I mean, maybe right. that's empowering if you want to imagine a working girl sending that to her boss. You know, I, I endorse that. But um, if you just have some lovesick person who's been mooning after you all year and you're sick of it and you send a cruel card, I think in 1847 there was a case in New York of a woman drinking laudanum and, uh, and, then, and
0: dying after getting a mean vinegar Valentine. But then— you know, by definition, that's not an anonymous one; that's a signed one. I guess that's true, right? Like, um, just just to say <laughs> your your uh, affections are not uh, reciprocated by me, random nobody. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of, a lot of
1: the anti romantic ones are like nobody likes you. You know, like you could be, which is still to this day the the meanest thing you can say to you know. The, it's the kind of thing that you know high schoolers put on discord to really wound if they haven't been, what, rehabilitated by our new anti-bullying society, you know, like, the idea that everyone agrees that you're awful, you know, we've all been laughing at you, you know, that is the kind of thing that really, you know, to this day, uh, one misplaced text can lead to a tragic outcome, and it was true in the 19th century as well as today, maybe fueled by the same things, you know, anonymity, um, a lack of, you know, training and modeling on how to not offer these kind of criticisms. You know, what's what's a more helpful way if you have a friend who uh, <laughs> who's alcoholism or uh, or pushy behavior you would like to point out?
0: <laughs> Dear friend, I'm very concerned about your drinking. I mean, it's it remains a a question whether or not you hit them, you hit them hard. I don't think these this kind of card counts as a very good intervention
1: though. It, it it seems to fail on a on a number of levels.
0: Well, there are some situations where I feel like a strongly I mean, I've sent some strongly worded texts recently. In one case, a guy who, you know, came out of rehab and went right back into his bad behavior where I felt like you've had enough soft treatment. Tough love time for a, time for a greeting card that says you need to you a, need to get off the sauce hey boozer yeah um, so but but again not sent mean spiritedly and these are not for the recipient yeah, these, these right. are for the sender to
1: either get something off their chest or have a, a mean malicious thrill that they they can't exercise in daily life. Yeah. I wonder what percentage of people sent these I wonder if it was just a small number of self-proclaimed wags and jokers who were just buying these up by the hundreds and most people thought it was tacky and awful. I'd like to think so. Well,
0: yeah, it seems like maybe a thing that you would buy, you would, you would dream of sending to someone and just having it and, and, and addressing it in your mind would be enough to kind of, Make you go ha ha ha. I mean, I would never do it, but
1: I have lately started doing that. I've really? lately started. Well, I mean, not not buying something and then not mailing it, but definitely writing out the thing I would, I would say to the person on my computer who's being wrong, wrong, wrong. Oh, and then just being like, oh, I got it out. I'm not even going to send this. That's
0: one hundred percent nothing more good of sending it. You know my uh, my my policy of not sending any emails that I write at two o'clock in the morning. Has it's a, a fairly new policy, but it's really kept me out of hot water. And it's true. Does it, I do. Does it date to two a.m. last yeah, night? No, but I. But I do still write emails that are like, you know, where you can put it, and it's kind of great. You, you the, the genius of writing and not sending is you always get the last word. And that concludes vinegar valentines entry one three nine six dot ps one zero one zero five. Certificate number 36155 in the Omnibus. links in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, only send nice posts via Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.
1: If you find an old antique vintage Victorian card that says something
0: mean about
1: me and John, please send it to us, but, but with a disclaimer.
0: Yeah. Send it to us at... We should appreciate it, ironically. P.O. Box 55744 Shoreline, Washington 98155 can send us all manner of Valentine, although this episode is coming out... The the day after Valentine's Day. The day after Valentine's Day. Day. So if you're only hearing about it now, it's a little late.
1: If you're listening a thousand years hence, maybe your fertility festival is in uh, uh, October when the hummingbird tongue flowers begin to
0: um, (laughs) spread their sickly sweet scent all over the land. Um... We will receive because Ken and I are both alternative. We will we will accept your valentines at any time of year because we don't subscribe to the big Valentine industrial complex.
1: I like to keep Valentine's Day in my heart all the year round. Hmm. That's what I learned when the three the three ghosts appeared to me (laughs) and and taught me the true meaning
0: of of Valentine's Day. (laughs) The salmon moose. Uh, you can tweet nice things at us at Ken Jennings and at John Roderick at Omnibus Project. You can email us nice things at the Project at gmail.com. You can go on the our uh, Facebook Futurelings group or Reddit Futurelings or Discord Futurelings and say nice things about us. Uh, you can the nicest thing you can say or do for us is to go to patreon.com/slash omnibusproject. And contribute to the, the production and the, and the, well, just the general je ne sais quoi, the effervescent about Omnibus by by uh, becoming a supporter of the show.
1: We should have a donation tier where people are allowed to insult us to varying degree based on the generosity of their support.
0: Wow, what, what level, what tier is that? You know, you want to make people pay, but you don't want to make it prohibitively... High, so that the people that really have things to say won't do
1: it. For $5 a month, you can insult our grammar. For $10 a month, you can insult our facts. Okay. For $20 a month, you can insult our appearance. Okay. For $50 a month, you can insult our morals. Yeah,
0: moral character, yeah.
1: And for uh, $100 or more, you can insult our, our friends
0: and loved ones for all I care. Wait a minute. I won't accept that. Well, you, what, what what is your number then? You can for $100 a month you can uh, insult. insult our race and uh, and culture. John's wardrobe. Uh no. That well, would, you'd be That's your highest you'd level. You'd be way off the off the rails. Uh no. What 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 is the thing you hold most sacred? I mean, I don't want my I don't want my, my family brought into it. My country Your country. For a hundred dollar or no, for a for five hundred dollars a month, you can insult our nation. You can say something
1: mean about our nation with its good healthcare system Mm -hmm. and uh, good governance Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and perfect representative
0: democracy. Mm -hmm. Um and a good global foreign policy that is with above reproach. It won't bother us at all. So that's it for that. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: the sentence you can always say after everything. Uh, So that's it for that.
0: So that's
1: it for that. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and pray that the catastrophe fear may never come. But if that's it for that, this recording, (laughs) like all our recordings, may be our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the omnibus.